It didn't take long after the Hamas attack on Israel for world leaders to start addressing the elephant in the room, the risk of a broader escalation. Any country, any organization, anyone thinking of taking advantage of this situation, I have one word, don't. That's President Biden on October 10th, just three days after the attack. Since then, if the conflict hasn't spilled into a full-blown regional war, it has at least begun to trickle. First, it was exchanges of fire between Israel and the militant group Hezbollah along the northern border with Lebanon. Then, as the civilian toll of Israel's invasion of the Gaza Strip piled up, Iran-backed Houthis in Yemen began targeting cargo ships in the Red Sea. Ahmed Naji with Crisis Group says they are playing to broad popular support for the Palestinian cause. They need to act to show their people that they are the movement of actions, not the movement of words. And last week, American forces were pulled closer to the conflict. A drone attack on a U.S. base in northern Iraq wounded three service members. The U.S. responded with its own airstrikes on Iran-backed militias, though the Iraqi government said civilians and police officers were injured. Paul Salem, president and CEO of the Middle East Institute, says neither the U.S. nor Iran wants this to become a wider war. Both sides have long experience with this uh, type of, let's call it limited escalation. This is not new to the post-October 7 period. It's been going on effectively for years. Of course, uh, the risk is always there. And in just the past few days, more attacks in Lebanon and Iran have again underscored that risk. Consider this. Whether or not Israel's war with Hamas officially sparks a wider war in the Middle East, danger and violence are spreading beyond the borders of Israel and Gaza. From NPR, I'm Mary Louise Kelly. It's Wednesday, January 3rd. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy. Plus, get access to a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Details at CapitalOne.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor, American Home Shield. In today's market, you may decide to make your current house home for a bit longer. But are your aging appliances in it for the long haul, too? With AHS, protect what you don't expect. Choose a plan that fits your budget. American Home Shield will fix or replace covered items. Go to ahs.com slash consider to save $50. See ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. At this year's Oscars, Oppenheimer took home the award for Best Picture, Emma Stone and Robert Downey Jr. also picked up wins, and Ryan Gosling brought the Kennergy. For a recap of all the highlights, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. It's Consider This from NPR. We'll start with two major developments of recent days. The first is in Iran, where today a pair of explosions killed more than 100 people and wounded many more. The other in Lebanon, where a senior Hamas leader has been killed. No one has claimed responsibility for either incident. To walk through how they may fit into the broader picture, we're going to hear from two NPR correspondents with deep experience covering the region. In a moment, we'll hear from Jane Araf, who has just landed in Beirut 
Institute. But first, NPR's Peter Kenyon, who follows Iran from his base in Istanbul. Hey, Peter. Hi, Mary Louise. So these explosions in Iran come on the fourth anniversary of the U.S. assassination of Iranian General Qasem Soleimani. And I gather the bombs went off as a procession of people who were marking that anniversary in his hometown as this was underway. What else do we know? Well, officials said the explosions were detonated by remote control uh, as people walked along a street in the southeastern city of Kerman. Uh, Emergency crews said many of those injured were in critical condition, suggesting the death toll could rise. Uh, General Soleimani himself was killed in a U.S. drone strike in Iraq in 2020, uh, not far from the Baghdad airport. And since his assassination, Soleimani has been lionized by Iran's leaders as, as a kind of a symbol of the country's resistance to oppression by the West in general, and the United States in particular. And as it happens, this isn't the first time this particular road in Kerman was the scene of casualties. In 2020, a funeral ceremony for General Soleimani on the same road saw a stampede breakout that left 60 people dead. I remember that terrible tragedy as well. What kind of reaction are we hearing so far from officials in Iran to these explosions today? We are starting to get some reactions. Uh, the head of the judiciary, Khalam Hossein Mosseni Ejei, blamed the attack on, quote, blind-hearted terrorists that are hired by the arrogance. Now, arrogance is a term often used by Iranian officials uh, when they want to condemn the U.S. or other Western countries. And now he also said a massive military and security operation had been launched to discover who was behind the attack. Uh, separately, Iran's interior ministers quoted as saying this was the second of the two explosions that caused the most damage and casualties. And he basically said the whole city was effectively under military control. Okay. And I want to follow on something I heard you say, which is that Soleimani has been lionized since his death as a symbol of resistance to the West. Just remind people listening how big a deal General Soleimani was in Iran, why an explosion at an event to mark the anniversary of his death would be so sensitive. Well, Qasem Soleimani was a commander of the Quds Force. That's an elite part of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, which itself is a key part of Iran's military. And now Soleimani joined the IRGC, the Guard Corps, very early, not long after the Islamic Revolution that toppled the U.S.-backed Shah of Iran. Uh, He fought in the nearly decade-long Iran-Iraq War in the 1980s, later he turned up in Afghanistan, where he helped the so-called Northern Alliance in its fight against the Taliban. Now, he went on to join the Quds Force, which played a major role in supporting Iran's proxy militias. Uh, These are groups including Hezbollah in Lebanon, Hamas in the Gaza Strip, a number of militias in Iraq. Uh, He was basically seen as playing a central role in Syria as well, helping President Bashar al-Assad when his regime was under attack during the Arab Spring. Soleimani is seen as an important actor in helping to spread Iran's influence in the region and beyond as Tehran developed its technique of using militias in other countries to fight its enemies. Peter Kenyon in Istanbul. Thank you, Peter. Thanks, Mary Louise. And let me bring in NPR's Jane Araf on the ground for us tonight in Beirut, Lebanon. Hey, Jane. Hi, Mary Louise. It's funny, I remember covering the fallout from the assassination of General Soleimani with you. Um, Four years ago, I was in Iran and you were across the border in Iraq. We come to you today to discuss another assassination there in a suburb of Beirut. This happened yesterday. One of the founders of Hamas's military wing was killed. Israel has not claimed responsibility, but it feels worth noting Israel has vowed to target Hamas officials in other countries, right? They have. And the person who was killed is a pretty big deal. Salah al-Aruri, who was not just the founder of the military wing, but 
um, instrumental in relations between Hamas and Hezbollah and and other countries. It, he always said he expected to be assassinated. And in fact, he was killed in what the Lebanese government said was an Israeli drone strike. This was on an office building in South Beirut, which really brings that war home to Lebanon in a different way than fighting between Iran-backed Hezbollah and Israel at the border that most people never see. And as you mentioned, Israel had warned after the October 7th start of the war that it would target Hamas officials in other countries. And Hezbollah leader Hassan Nasrallah had said even before the war started that if Israel assassinated any officials in Lebanon, that his organization, the major player here, would retaliate. So basically, Mary Louise, as much as people are upset that Israel appears to have launched drone strikes in the capital city, they're perhaps even more afraid that any large-scale Hezbollah retaliation could go spiraling into a conflict that could be become out of control. Yeah. I mean, that that leads me towards some of the bigger questions I have. I mean, how should we think about this, about the danger of Hezbollah, another armed group getting involved in the Israel-Hamas war? Yeah. Well, they're already involved in the sense that Nasrallah says they're doing their bit by attacking Israeli forces across the border with Israel to divert Israeli resources from Gaza. So the two sides have been launching attacks against each other since the war began. But this assassination is a whole different ballgame. And in a speech in Beirut today, one that had been previously scheduled to mark the death of General Soleimani, uh, the Hezbollah leader accused the U.S. of extending the war in Gaza, and he vowed that Israel could expect a, quote, response and punishment for the assassination of al-Ruri in Beirut. And here he pledges that if the, quote, Enemy launches a war on Lebanon. Our fighting will be without ceilings or boundaries or rules. And even though it is four years ago since that U.S. airstrike killed Soleimani in Baghdad, that strike, as you saw in Iran and I saw in Iraq, did have huge repercussions, not all of them contributing to stability. Oh, so here's my big picture question for you, Jane. As a longtime watcher of the region, do these events, these last couple of days, raise the risk of the current war in the Middle East expanding. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I certainly did not see this coming. And I think we're seeing a different Middle East where some of the balance of power has shifted in the last three months and perhaps become more fragmented. I mean, we've seen an expansion of attacks on U.S. targets by groups aligned with mm -hmm. Iran, but not necessarily directed by them, mm -hmm. limits of U.S. influence. But really what we're seeing, I think, for the first time in years is a realization that the lack of Palestinian homeland is deeply destabilizing. Jane Araf in Beirut. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, Mary Louise. This episode was produced by Connor Donovan and Megan Lim. It was edited by Tara Neal and Courtney Dorning. It's Consider This from NPR. I'm Mary Louise Kelly. On It's Been a Minute, we talk to up-and-comers and icons of culture. From Barbara Streisand. You're such a wonderful interviewer. To Tracy Ellis Ross. Your questions were so wonderful. And Christine Baranski. Oh, 
Thank you for your wonderful questions. Hear the questions these icons loved to be asked. Listen every week to It's Been a Minute from NPR. Hi, I'm Jen White from 1A. I host a news show for those who need to know what's happening and why it matters. But we get it. The news can weigh you down. It's why we also make time for stories, guests, and surprises that'll lift you up. Listen to the 1A podcast from WAMU and NPR. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.